0: Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Monday, June 19th in the year 2023. Well, we're going to dig into some scripture tonight. So I think what we have to start looking at is a lot of the details from the lens of warfare. And there's a few scriptures I want to get into tonight on the realities that we were presented with in scripture, which unfortunately just aren't spoken of enough, I don't think. One thing before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. Make sure you've got everything you need for a good night's sleep. That comes in many forms. And one of the best places to get the solid products you need is MyPillow.com. They have the best pillows. The MyPillow 2.0 is incredible. And the comforters are great. The sheets are fantastic. I have the Giza cotton sheets. I have their down comforter. I've got their pretty much everything. Pillows, slippers, you name it. And it's just a, an awesome series of products. And there's great specials going on right now too, mind you. And specials that are soon to end, in fact. They have the MyPillow 2.0 is a constant. We know that. And that's their new, new standard. And that's doing great. And then they have this 6 P towel set special going on right now, which is $25 with your promo code. Six piece towel says for $25. It's amazing. And I think that ends tonight, if I'm not mistaken, or at least while supplies last, which they're getting down because that's total clearance. And then they have their all season slippers, which are down to $25, which is awesome. And the Giza cotton sheets are down to as low as $29.98. And then, of course, you have this new awesome, super cool MyPillow 2.0. And you've got the mattress toppers now in this new. 2.0 2.0 series, which is all this thread uh, regulating heat regulating thread, all made and designed in America. So it's really, really good stuff. So check it out. If you haven't been over there shopping lately, you should go over. That's mypillow.com forward slash bards. Use your promo code bards. You absolutely won't be disappointed. It's great stuff. Anyway, Mike Lindell's awesome. The company's great. And I think I'm going to be going to the Springfield Mike Lindell event again this year. So we'll be live casting from that in August should be super. That's before the Bards Fest in September, so it's good. So anyway, check it out. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. And if you've seen the ad, Mike, when he jumps out of somebody's medicine cabinet, or they open up their medicine cabinet, Mike's right there, and I'm like, dude, please don't jump out of my medicine cabinet. That would not be good. But other than that, it's awesome. So MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. And if you are so inclined and you're like, dude, I've got to speak to a real human being, that's okay. We can do that too. 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939. You're going to be super happy you did. And there's great savings with your promo code. And that's why we also have our special landing page because they love Bards Nation. So you head over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, which is it. All right, Patriots. I want to start with this and this meaning the Song of Solomon, which is three, seven to eight. It says, behold, it is the couch palanquin of Solomon, 60 mighty men around it, of the mighty men of Israel. All of them handle the sword, all expert in war. Each man has his sword at his thigh, guarding against the terrors of the night. There's a lot in that, and I think it's a reality of where we're probably going, unfortunately. We're into a very dark time in one level, and we're into a very light time in another. What I mean by that is we've never seen so much evil manifest in our face, and it's everywhere. But as we're walking powerfully with the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, I know about me, that I feel better than I ever have. I feel just like we're walking in the midst of God's umbrella. But that doesn't mean that there aren't tears that lurk in the night. One of the things that we have to be cognizant of is the demonic is on the move. And so whether you want to talk about that sword in this passage as one that is of steel or of sort of the spirit, the principles are the same. And I think that it's pretty real to start accepting the fact that we're entering into a world, world where people need to start thinking in terms of that way of living now, of being armed both in the, a form of the sort of steel and in the form of sort of spirit at all times. That sounds pretty dark, but it's the reality. We I mean, pay attention to our world. It, it is unraveling. And the thing that to take note here is that the world that we are in, you'll note that no one is speaking to us. Here on this channel, we talk about faith. We talk about proclaiming our authorities. We talk about praying in for the nation. But think about your leadership. And and I'm not excluding anybody. We talk we hear them talk about details or problems, or that I'm going to fix this for you. They all say the same thing. But who is what are they going to do, really, if they don't have God? This this is the whole point is no one is out here saying, patriots or Americans, as I step into office, we're going to return this country back to the throne and the feet of God. And through and with God, we shall overcome all obstacles. We don't hear that. It's the I, the me. And I think we all should at this point have enough discernment and wisdom to realize that This is a bunch of garbage. You can't do it. You literally can't do it without God. It sounds good. It sells well. People go, wow, I want to vote for this guy. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. But you're not going to be able to do it alone. And as mighty as one might think, you're not going to be able to overcome these obstacles without God. The mighty men here in the Song of Solomon, wearing their sword, all expert in war... God is calling two types of people right now to the line. One is the soldier and the other are the warriors. And you'll know who you are. This isn't about you being turned into one or the other. You'll know your heart. And neither one is better than the other. It's the calling. Warriors are on the point of the spear. Soldiers in this, in the sense that I'm laying out here are the people that are making sure the warriors can go forward. And it covers many aspects. But everybody in that process, like every soldier in the military, has to be able to wield a sword of steel. And every soldier in this army better be wielding mightily the sword of the spirit. I had an interesting conversation today with Colonel Pete Chambers. And the discussion was, what does an Operation Detachment Alpha, which is a special forces team, what does an ODA look like now in this war? ODAs were built for the conventional kinetic wars, and they're built very well. But what happens when we start to face this war, a spiritual war, and what does the shaping of that ODA look like? And 12-man team, which is what an ODA is, it's built around 12 men, with each with a specialty, a primary, a secondary, and sometimes a, a tertiary specialty, so that there's redundancy in that team. So you have weapons, intelligence, you have commo, you have medic, engineer. No, I'm going to miss one here somewhere. And if I didn't say weapons, you have weapons. You have a lot of different skill sets. And then each one of them is cross-trained in another skill set. So if one man goes down, they have the redundancy built within the team. And then they try to even do it further down to a third person. So in this type of war, we're going to need another dimension to this. We need the kinetic skills because that's communities literally being able to build up the strength in them to literally be the men that can handle the sword and be experts at war to protect the things, the terrors of night, which I think are real and they will probably get more real as we start to see the collapse of society happen around us. And let me be very clear here. I don't like painting pictures. I think you know me well enough. I don't like painting pictures of doom and gloom. But I am looking at what's before me. And I'm being honest and realistic about this. Because if we don't act that way, we're going to get caught flat-footed. And this isn't to cause panic, fear, anxiety. You have to, each one of us, understand that God has us where he has us. And that ultimately, it's through him that we gain the wisdom and necessary things of all things. But we have to be pragmatic about some of this. And it's very comfortable to just rest in the idea of, I'm going to just pray and do everything. That is a great weapon system. But there is, as I always go back to the, the story of the garden with Peter and Jesus, both were in effect at the very end. Peter did his job. And Jesus never rebuked him for drawing his sword brilliantly, slicing off the ear, saving a life, but staying in attack. And Jesus demonstrated the greater level of excellence within kingdom, which was to heal the ear and then be taken by the enemy to ultimately do the ultimate warrior thing, which was let them think that they won by killing him. And while he did that, he was resurrected and the... The covenant of blood against us was the contract in blood was was fulfilled and we were set free. I mean that's a pretty amazing military action when you think about it that way. And it probably doesn't fit normal conventional thinking, but (laughs) since when am I normal and conventional about anything I do? So that that's kind of the framing, right? And when we're at a very critical point right now, and. While it's comfortable, as I think people often want to say, well, when Jesus returns or take me home, Jesus, this is our home. This is where we have been placed to occupy, expand and subdue. And until that very day that we are called home or Jesus comes, we have a major mission ahead of us that is going to entail increasingly higher levels of risk. And we don't want to be those that are victimized by evil. Evil wants to victimize us because as evil victimizes us, it uses that idea of victimization to install fear in others. And that was the sense of like last night's testimony I gave to you last night from Bards Fest about the person that came to me and said, you know, it's Christian. There's so many Christians that are weak and afraid. And that's a true statement, Unfortunately. If we're in this walk right now, we have been called. You've been called here. And and I truly believe that. And I and I think that there's an idea that it came today from a somebody I was talking to of a t shirt. Well, in fact, it was Mark from Barsfest. And he's and his thought was, you need to have a shirt that says I am remnant. And I fully agree with this. Because we have to start owning what you are and what we are. This is a this is a very in privileged place to be this isn't this isn't just some random event yeah. <laughs> we have the we have somebody that goes by remnant in chat which I absolutely love and they just wrote this I need that one yeah you' don't worry, you'll get one. It's awesome um so I am remnant is is that put that on put that mantle on and start thinking that way and start thinking about what that requires. And again, we're not talking about going out and looking for war. Just imagine that you were going out into the wildlands. Just take like going up to Alaska, around right, where the Kodiak, you know, but Kodiak, where all these big bears are and stuff, the grizzlies and so forth. Well, you're not going to go up there. I would hope, let me put it this way, that you would not walk up there with a butter knife and a notebook. I would hope that you would go armed. Knowing that even if your intent was to go study nature, take pictures of nature, I would hope that you would go armed. Because that's part of, there's a time and a place where something may happen and it may try to sacrifice your life. And you know, there's, obviously we've got enough peaceniks out here, not in this group I hope, but that will be like, well, that's just the way it is. I would never harm nature. I would let, I would let nature take me and I'd be like, okay, that's cool, dude. That's just one less headache I have to deal with. And we're not going to be that way. We're not at all going to be that way. We need to be mighty in, in, in this walk with God, and that's so powerful. Now, this is an interesting piece here. And it's you've heard this before, but it starts to put in shape where we are right now. Ecclesiastes 10.2, a wise man's heart turns him to- toward the right, which is the way of blessing, but a fool's heart turns him to the left, or toward the left, which is the way of condemnation. I'm not going to break that down into the ancient specific meaning, other than it is an interesting application to where we are today when we start to look at what we call the right and the left and how accurate that statement is by virtue of what we're witnessing in our world. And turning towards the left, which is the way of condemnation, this is a that's literally the wide path. And turning towards the right, the way of blessing is truly the path of God and the Holy Spirit. And we're seeing the conflict right now. And it's not this divide is not getting less. I believe in very strongly, and I this is when I say these things, I always find myself being checked in my gut. So I have to share this. Which, if I'm getting checked with my gut, it's probably the Holy Spirit nudging me. We have to be very careful into what narratives we allow ourselves to live into. Now, I'm going to frame this in a couple different ways to understand what I'm saying. But words have the power of life and death. And when we speak and the intention, the closer we are to God, the more we speak, the more our words reflect that of the heart of God. So we have to be very cognizant to what we shape in our world. I've referred to this as having a quantum soul or a quantum heart. That that doesn't set well with some people, and I I'm not criticizing. They just either people aren't familiar with quantum or they don't like the wording because it doesn't have it doesn't exactly work within the scriptural sense. For me, it does because the way I see quantum is quantum is this unbelievable potential that sits within us that I frankly think that as Christ spoke of us moving a mountain from here to there or the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain from here to there, that is truly the essence of a quantum existence that we are able to, we're not gonna pick up the mountain, by the way. I I mean, maybe, that's not the the way I see it. And I don't think Christ was intending us to like over, if you pray enough, you're gonna go over here. If you have faith, you can put the mountain on your back and move it down the street. I don't think that's happening. But what can happen is we can shift the reality which we're in and transform that reality in a multiple reality way. Now this gets into all sorts of sticky stuff, which I'm not gonna go into too deeply tonight because this gets into, well, then you could have a reality without Jesus. I don't know. I don't think that's, let's just table that one because we're pivoting off of a central reality where Jesus is in our life. And what we're doing is we're we're able to shift this reality. And I think we see that when we start to see the power of quantum in healing, for example, when we're praying into somebody in like one day to the next, I think we like to imagine one way of it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but one way that I think people typically think about is like the Holy Spirit's in there, in like cancer nodes, and it's picking all the cancer nodes out and it's taking them out, and your whole body's healed again. But there is another way of looking at this from a quantum field sense that we're praying into something, and there somebody's being affected by a forming of reality around them, and we're literally taking that gook, that nasty reality, and we're throwing it away, and we're praying them back into the reality of of the Holy Spirit. That's another way of looking at it. But I do think all of this relates to the quantum sense of who we are, because we're able to affect where we are and make it better. We can also go a wrong way with it. And that's the point here, is that there's an intention with our words, and we have to be very precise with what we think. And the more that we're given, the more that is asked. So as we lean into these places of prayer and assuming our responsibility, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly at all. Any more than as is spoken in the Song of Solomon, these men are not taking their duty. These 60 mighty men are not taking their duty of defending off or guarding against the terrors of the night lightly because they are literally armed with their sword at their thigh, ready to defend off the terrors of the night, and they're doing this diligently. This is the same level of precision that we are walking in now because we are walking as warriors and you're wielding a sword of the spirit and it's truly a powerful, powerful tool and authorities that we're given and not to use them lightly or indiscriminately or whimsically, right? And I think that shows up even in Ezekiel 34 when God talks about this judging of the shepherds. When we step into those roles of authority, we are stepping into I am remnant. And as we step into that, we start to realize that each one of us steps into a role that's greater than just being a sheep. You're not just part of the flock. You're starting to lead the flock. And God's made it very clear in Ezekiel 34 that he will judge the shepherds and then he will save his flock. Important about that is the only true shepherd of everybody is Jesus. That's, that's a given. But in the interim, where we have we are stepping into that role as shepherds until that hour and that time, then we have to assume a greater and understand we have to have a greater responsibility, and we have to be very discerning with what we do and how we lead people and what we say and what we speak. It's important, and part of that is having a very intimate relationship with Father God. It's given. And that means we have to lean in heavily into this fight that we're in with our Lord and Savior. That's just a given. Now, that said, I also want to highlight something kind of important here, which is these psychopaths that we're living under, which there are many, do have some devious things in mind right now. And one of those devious things they have in mind is to try to cause a massive disruption in our power grids. That seems to be on their talking points lately. And when they start talking about something, then they start to usually execute it within a short period of time, six months to a year. And, of course, that's all about their fear strategy, which I would hope that nobody's walking in fear. But that's all part of it. So to do that, make sure that you are doing everything you can to protect against those damages that would cause a power grid outage. Lightning, um, it could be a solar flare, it might be a man-made EMP. In many forms that can take. And to do that, I would highly recommend you check out empshield.com, empshield.com, and use your BARD's code, B-A-R-D-S. You'll get $50 off right now. They've got a continued sale for Memorial Day, 10% off site-wide, so it's an additional 10% off. Awesome product. I have these on the ATV. I've got them on my Jeep. My dad has it on his rig. We're adding them. We have one for the house. Um, They've got them for generators. They have them for your RV. They have them for your radio stations even, like your ham radio stations. Super good product to have. It has all been military-grade tested, and it definitely is the best-known product we have out there to to protect from the surges caused by EMP. And in those EMPs, tremendous amount of damage can happen to our electronics. And as much as I'd say that many of us would like to fantasize about living like the Amish, the reality is that we don't, and we aren't there yet. And we still do rely on enormous amount of electronics, even the electronic controllers for our cars, our pumps, our, uh, the generators, radios, computers, etc. So take it seriously. Head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and check it out. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so let's look at the perspective here in war because it's easy when we get wrapped up in war to be focused a lot on the enemy before us. But what I find really interesting is, oh, somebody just wrote here, oh, it's my favorite remnant. He said 90% would die within months of an EMP. That's why you need EMP shield. Don't be one of the 90%, be a 10. Be the 10 that survives, it's that simple. There, that closes that conversation. So anyway, um, it's easy when in conflict to focus completely on the enemy before us and forget our relationship in this time. But I love Psalm 44, five to eight, through you, through you, this is speaking to God, through you, we will gore our enemies like a bull through your name. We will trample down those who rise up against us for I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies, and you have put them to shame and humiliated those who hate us. In God, we have boasted all the day long, and we will praise and give thanks to your name forever, Selah. My feeling is that when Christians in the modern age read these things, they immediately take, go into a pacifist mode. And what they think of is an era where, oh, I don't need anything. I just need to pray. That's it. And as long as I pray and celebrate God, everything will be fine. It did not say they would not have a bow, and it did not say they did not have a sword. What what was said is, for I will not trust in my bow nor my sword to save me. Very critical point here, because there's two parts of saving. One is saving thy soul, and the other is ultimately understanding that as the enemies come at us, they these enemies are being brought to our hand by god that's what that's what david says you will be delivered to my hands the lord will deliver you to my hands that perspective is not understood enough in the type of warfare we're in because we've been so inoculated with the idea that i am going to be the point guy i'm going to be the one wielding the sword i'm going to be doing the damage i'm going to be fighting evil well no that's not really true if we're going to if we're going to frame this right we are standing and holding the line. That's very important. We can never bow. Ever. It's just I mean just take it's not an if, it's not an and, it's not a maybe, it's not a but. It's I will never bow. Period end of story. No matter what that cost is. And as we understand that, then what we're understanding is we have a function in this fight. But as we lean into God and let God lead move through us, it is only through him that we have victory. Patton understood this, by the way. That's why that whole thing I did last year, I've done it a couple of times here on the show, which is the, the prayer for Christmas that he did. And he understood that if people, as he even said to his, his uh, chaplain, he said the most important part of this war was happening back home because it was the people praying for victory. And that's why he delivered the demand or the requirement that all soldiers pray when they were in the deep fight in Germany. So this is an important component. The soldiers didn't not fight. In fact, they fought even harder. But, and there were casualties. It was a real fight. But the victory was brought through the Lord himself. David didn't stand by and go, "Oh, okay, Goliath, you can come at me and I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit on the ground and I'm going to play with some stones and I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell God, okay, you got it and take over. That's not the way that works. And that's why Psalm 44, 5 to 8 is important because we're hearing the effects of God's God's mightiness through the aspect of war, but we're hearing the honesty of the heart that even though these are seasoned warriors, they aren't trusting just in the bow or trusting in the sword to give them victory. It's their enemies will be subdued by God, even though God will likely use their hands and their bow and their sword to do it. Such an important concept here that I don't think is well detailed because nobody in the pulpit these days, I wouldn't say nobody, few in the pulpit these days, much better term, want to talk about the realities of where we are. I mean, let's get back to the Black Robe Regiment real quickly and understand that this was a time of we were built as a nation on the on the pulpit. This stuns me. with where we are today when we can't get a pulpit to do anything more than wear a bunch of skinny jeans and dance around with stuff that is Whatever, you know where I'm going on that one. It's a weak pulpit. And there are just not many pastors out here that are in the fight, literally with their hands in the guts of an animal, gutting it and and getting themselves all connected with the reality of life. We have way too many pastors that are working a 501c3 job in an offering plate, building a business, and then talking of these things like, I'm going to be mighty. Like, what does that look like in your life? What does mightiness look in your life? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be mighty in the spirit. What does that mean? I want to hear tangibles. What does that mean being mighty in the spirit? And I don't think they can articulate it. Well, I haven't heard a good articulation. You're not going to hear things like mighty in the spirit. I know of a couple that do it, but I mean, in general, mighty in the spirit. Well, that means that a couple of things I need to be active in literally sowing seeds in my own life to grow a garden, to be physical, to raise my own animals, to butcher my own animals, to be skilled in the basics of providing food for my family. I need to be using my hands to create things as God leads me. And I need to have my, my hands trained as, to wield the weapons of war. Because at the end of the day, we are told as Christians, we will be persecuted and we will be pursued. And so what do I do? I'm going to take you back to the garden again Peter wielded the sword of steel. Jesus wielded the sword of spirit. And it's mightiness there, both of them mighty. Jesus said, sell your cloak, buy a sword. He didn't say not to. And so we're not heeding that thought enough in the way that we walk our faith and literally open carrying our faith is to be mighty in both. I don't choose in the world. I am not seeking in any time to extol violence on somebody. That is not my intent. But the kingdom is taken by violence and violent men take it by force. We are in that reality. And as we are shaking this reality and we're understanding that this evil is entrenched, and I I just use this simple thing. I don't know what else that gets people to wake up in the broader spectrum. I'm not necessarily speaking to anybody here tonight. They're mutilating kids. I mean, literally, they have doctors posing with young girls that have their breasts just ripped out of them with horrible stitch marks and they're both sitting there smiling going like, hey, thumbs up. Great. We just killed another one. This is the sickness that's in our society. This is the evil that's permeating through it. And it's becoming standardized and normalized. This is, this is Jericho worthy, just so I'm clear. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if God said go, I'd be like, about time. Thanks, Lord. I mean, seriously, we, we are dealing with Jericho worthy crimes, against the, the little ones. And we're gonna sit here and to ourselves and just say, well, I'm not gonna do anything, but sit on the side and I'll just, you know, we need to be engaged. And depending on how that enemy is, because there's, again, the enemy needs to know the full force of what we bring. We wield the mightiness of the sword of spirit and there, I will wield it ruthlessly and powerfully because my words have intention, my words have the power of life and death. But I'm equally walking into that fight, understanding that the enemy in this physical world also needs to understand that there is a line under no circumstances that I will cross, and there's no way they're going to cross it. Those two things have to be present. If we had that balance in our life now, I will tell you, this government would not be doing what it's doing, because it would understood understand what it's like to walk into a space of mighty men of God that stand there boldly with the mighty women of God with them, saying, you will not cross this line. There will be no more of this. Sheriffs would not be trying to defend the peace and allow the pedophiles equal time to speak while the, while the faith people are over here are being pushed off to the corner and they're going, now, mind yourself, don't be aggressive. We need to let these pedophiles have equal time. This would not be happening. And yet this is the insanity of the world in which we currently live. We owe it to our Father to be warriors in this time and he's calling the warriors to the line. Now, I mentioned soldiers. Soldiers, great heart, and soldiers are gonna be there and many are gonna find it more comfortable to be behind that front point of the spear. And you know what, God bless you, we need you. But what I'm focusing on tonight is the warrior part of this, the people that are stepping up and going, you know what, I'm gonna open carry, period. I'm open carrying my sword of steel and I'm open carrying my faith and I'm open carrying that mightiness of the sword of steel. Stay out of my way or get in line with me and walking with Jesus, but do not cross these lines. These are moral lines we will never cross. That boldness given in a mass of people changes the entire dynamic of a nation and it wouldn't take long for the nation to be committed to the right path. James 1, 2 to 8, consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough walk work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith lacking in nothing If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, and decides. There's no room for double-mindedness. You can't be wishy-washy. There's no halfway here. We're very clear, and God's been very clear about this. He is seeking those of solid and pure heart of faith, and this is a war. And this is a war of exceptional nature. It's not just a war for the United States. This is a war for humanity, and at stake are all of God's children. And I just want that to settle in for a minute. All of God's children are at stake here. And we are the ones that have been given authority and dominion over this world. So how does that fare in our resume? When we get up to heaven, and we're like, "Well, uh, Lord, sorry, um, I sure tried." I prayed a lot, and they still took the children, and they abused them, raped them, and tortured them, and killed them. Some of them got turned into food. I mean, what does that look like? I can tell you it's not going to fare well. I don't think you're going to get much room for like, oh, that's okay, don't worry, I'm glad you did the best you could. Not happening. Because what we're starting to understand more and more in our walk is the closer we get to the throne, the more demanding and the more precise and the greater the expectations of what we have to be. The mighty men and women of God, the children of the Most High, we have a lot of latitude to stumble and fail here. Part of James is just that. We are in a place where we can stumble. We can gain wisdom. We can pray for that. We can pray for discernment. But as we are refined in that fire and get closer to heaven, those latitudes start to fall apart. In fact, when we get to heaven, part of judgment is that all those things, if we will submit to God, all of those things that we have in us that have nothing to do with kingdom will be burned out of us, refined out of us, however you want to look at that. And what we will be left with is the purity of what we, our essence of what we accomplished here, what we do in life echoes for eternity. God calls his people and nothing is accidental. There's no coincidences in kingdom space. And whatever has brought us together, none of that's by accident. None of it. So we are in an extremely interesting place that every single one of us is being handled an enormous mantle to carry if we so choose to carry it. I do. And I say, send me. And that means a commitment at a very massive level to do as God has asked and to do his bidding and to continue forward with that boldly, without hesitation. That is what is all in. When we talk about all in, that's when God gives you the nudge to move and and be mighty in that space when we move. But we can't be double-minded. You can't be questioning. And that was part of my testimony last night. And it's also part of this whole idea of what is it to be a warrior in this time. And this applies to both men and women, because this, God does not limit being a warrior. Esther is an amazing warrior. She's incredible. Moses is an amazing warrior. So the warriors take different forms. It's not just a Gideon and Joshua and a David, but it's Moses and it's many others. It's use those two examples, Moses and Esther. Powerful people that are walking truly in the Holy Spirit. And these are these are the examples that we need to understand. And these conflict and the reality of conflict is as much a part of their day as it is of in ours. Esther is a great example because at the end of the day, Esther can fast and she does. And Esther pleads to the king to have a treatise, essentially a directive withdrawn and he can't do it. And so in to overcome that, that Jews are given the right, or the Israelites are given the right to arm themselves and defend against anybody that seeks to eradicate them. But it goes further when you read that story because they don't just wait for the attackers. They go on the offensive and they wipe out those that seek to destroy them. That's a mighty position. And that parallels some of what we see in Jericho. And what we see in Jericho is we we see this city's walls collapse, and then it's every man, woman, child, and donkey is slain. That's incredible. That's wrath. But it's wrath not by the sense of Sodom and Gomorrah with a lightning bolt hitting the ground or whatever that was. This This is wrath delivered by the judgment of God through the hands of men. Our duty now, as Christ has given us these authorities to literally be the stewards of this earth. We have the authority, dominion over all evil, to step on snakes and scorpions. It's something we have to constantly remind ourselves of and live into. We have been told, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So whatever Christ has done, we have the potential to do. And greater works than these he will do, greater works because I am going to the Father. Incredible statement. And it's framing who we are as the children of the Most High, who were freed and set free by the sacrifice of God's only Son. That whole level of of authority then passes down from that, and we start to embrace truly the nobility of what we've given, the gift that we've been given, and the importance of our role here in this earth. So it's not about when are you going to take me home father it's not about i' I can't wait till Jesus comes it's about do our job and do it intensely and do it now and do it mightily and do it with ferocity and do it with the with that compassionate heart that Jesus has and do it with the the power and the authority of the lion and be able to balance those both but that's easy to do when we place ourselves in this wonderful space where we are neither double-minded nor lacking of wisdom because we're leaning into Father every time we need it. And we're being guided to understand that before us is a incredible enemy, massive in the way it presents itself, weak in the back end because it is nothing more than a paper tiger when we wield the force of God. But when we try to stand before it and fight it on our own, it's easily able to overwhelm us. This war against us, the enemy fears us. This is why it puts so much emphasis on trying to destroy us. In a physical world sense, they spend trillions of dollars every year on media and movies and entertainment, video games and advertisements. Why do they spend so much money? Because it's a good market to make a bunch of money on? No, because they understand how mighty we are. They understand that they can't exist here without our approval and our authorities for them to do what they're doing. We have to agree and give them agreement to what they do. And every time we allow them to get away with something, we're giving them authority to proceed. Our roles are much greater than we're embracing. And so they spend these trillions of dollars every year to convince us that they are greater than us, that they are greater than our God, and we obey. And as we obey, we hand them our authority. It's like we come through and God says, well, how come you did that? Well, they told me they needed to do this. We just took the authority God gave us and we handed it to them. This has to stop. And it doesn't have to, we don't necessarily need, it'd be great to have, we don't need the entire nation, but we need those warriors in heart that understand that, that will stand against this evil And at all costs. So I want to close this because I mentioned it last night, but it's a very important principle that I'm, I want to, just kind of wrap this around tonight. As I mentioned last night, part of this mission now is as we do Bards Fest, we're planting the flag, planting the flag as if setting up kingdom, as in setting in kingdom strongholds. are the words God gave me, kingdom strongholds. And these flags are symbolically the Bards FM or BOW flag, but it's a black flag. And it's important to understand what that process is. This isn't said lightly and God's words were not intended to be taken lightly planting the flag. The flag is a black flag. That means give no quarter. That means we will sacrifice everything in this life and all that we have in this life to defend those lines of those kingdom strongholds, that nothing shall violate those kingdom strongholds other than this that, we'll, that we can stop. And we will give all, including our life, to defend it. That's the commitment we're making. And we have to have that mentality. And we have to have that ferocity within our heart. And as we do this and we stand boldly against this evil, trust me, there, there will be tests of, of the wire perimeter. They will attempt to per, perimeter penetrate the perimeter and come in. And we will rebuke it with prayer. We will rebuke it with the power of the Holy Spirit. But at a certain point in time, there may be a necessity to draw that sort of steel. That's as God leads. But we have to be willing. And it's not necessarily that you will, but you have to say, I am willing. And it's not necessarily God says that you will, but we have to tell him we are willing. And it's a big difference there because that's submitting and and turning ourselves over to God. Saying, Lord, as you lead me, as you lead my hands, I am the warrior which you're choosing to be in this hour and this time. I shall stand before this evil and give us anything in this life and beyond. I am committed to the path you place before me. I think we say Selah and Amen. This is how we have to be. And when we are in this mindset, our words now carry truly powerful intention. We are now committing to a fight that the enemy does not want to have. The enemy does not want to face that ferociousness of the heart. They will try to find ways around. They will try to find the way into the weak heart. But that's the power of those on the wall, and that's the power of everybody from a warrior to the soldier back, that is the mightiness of carrying the sword of steel and the sword of the spirit, and understanding that every single person at one point or another may be called and may have to call to stand on the line and to stand on the wall. Once we commit to that in our hearts and are honest with God and walk that way, I would argue that your entire world will change. Everything about how you see the world changes because no longer do you walk in any sort of hesitation or fear, but wherever God points, you go. There's no hesitation because you know what you're doing. You're walking in the authority of kingdom, doing kingdom business. And that's how we take this world back. That's how we take this nation back. That's how we save the children. And that's what evil fears the most. And that's what heaven and the cloud of witnesses are waiting for and eager to see. And frankly, I think they're starting to get pretty excited about the power that they're starting to see come from the children of the Most High. Let's pray. Father, we are blessed and thank you very much. For bringing us here tonight, humble before you and before the throne. So Father, we just, as we pray here tonight and we just, the words of pouring out, the words of wisdom that you provide, the reminder of the warrior heart, the reminder of the ferocity and commitment that we need to make, the reminder of what we are walking for, representing, and what authorities we walk in. These are authorities, Father, that you've given us as stewards of this earth to literally step on snakes and scorpions and have authority over all the power of the enemy. So Father, we pray that those words will settle into each heart to awaken that strength and that mightiness in the step, to awaken that understanding that we are truly the children of the Most High, and with that we carry a tremendous amount of authority, but as much is given, much is asked. So we equally pray for discernment and the understanding that our words carry the power of life and death. And so to be wise and where we lack wisdom, to turn to you, Lord, and pray for wisdom and to listen and to receive that wisdom. And in so doing, become more refined, more powerful, more full, lacking in nothing in our faith. Father, this is a tremendous walk. You've opened the door for us to walk in and we're blessed and we thank you and we praise all that you bring to us in this world. Jesus, we walk boldly and proudly under the banner that you have set before us. And so we just continue to be humbled by all that was sacrificed to bring us to this moment. Guide us, Father, in this hour, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. An important perspective as we push forward to remember what and who we are. Never forget that. I have, I've railed on this so many times and I'm not going to beat it much tonight, but this idea that somehow we are unworthy, what a load of donkey poo. God does not sacrifice his son for the unworthy. We, we love, they love to pound this. You're a sinner. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I sure am. And God knows that. That's why we repent, that's why we open our heart honestly, because he understands that we are being refined. But as we are refining, as we're stepping into these authorities, never forget that we are stepping into powerful and amazing authorities as the stewards, as the stewards of this earth, as the children of the Most High. And when we put our mindset into what the magnitude of what that means, I think we start to realize how great all things are and what a profound opportunity we have in this life and how incredible the world is before us. We find ourselves less inclined towards vengeance and much more inclined towards the loving and compassionate nature of God. God does not seek wrath immediately because God waits until the very last second before anything has to be brought in terms of judgment because he wants to bring everybody home. And so he looks at us and he sees us as his children who are stepping into authorities. And he's pouring that out. He's also pouring out the idea that be temperate, my children. Don't be quick to decision. Be mighty in the face of evil, but be compassionate for those who've been deceived. And we have to remember that so many have been deceived, that the number of true evil before us that we witness is probably much less than we think, but the number of deceived are massive. And so as we step into this walk deeper and deeper, the opportunity of bringing those back to Christ and bringing those home is amazing. And we will run into those that refuse. And that's where our powers of prayer are enormous. And hopefully not a single person ever has to draw that sort of steel. But that's one thing that we have to always remember, that at some point or another, that decision may have to be made. If nothing else, caring, it reminds us that we are in this world, not of this world, but in this world. And as we mature the powers of the Holy Spirit and the authorities given to us within us, the lesser we need that sort of steel. Until that time, we have to be prepared for a fight on two domains and two dimensions And we have to be fierce and mighty in both. We are the warriors now walking in the authorities given to us by God. They are mighty authorities. And with this, we are taking back the space, every step, every place we place our foot, we are taking back in the name of kingdom. That means it's holy ground and we have to conduct ourselves appropriately. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, before I sign off tonight, wish Jenny Lynn a happy birthday and happy anniversary. This is her birthday today, the 19th, and her anniversary was yesterday with her husband. So, Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe. get back in my